Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Good evening Life Changes. Johan, very nice to see you. Sorry I didn't say hello earlier. Um, but it really is an incredible privilege to have you here this evening. Um, really excited to be able to preach and, and get stuck into to what God has for us. We are in the middle of a series um, which we very creatively named Daniel. And you wouldn't believe, but it's through the book of Daniel. I know, it's hard to believe. We really have some creative people in this church, and we had many meetings. We said, what are we going to call this series? And we went, I know, it's incredible. It, Daniel, I know, mind blown by, by our creativity. So if anyone needs any advice around creative stuff, please come and chat to us. But my name is Tyler. I have the privilege of being on staff here at Life Changes. I have been on staff here for plus minus five, almost six years now, which is, yeah, six years, which is really, really exciting. I was born in Johannesburg, where uh, Johan and Marlies are now. Um, I wasn't uh, uh, in, in such a glamorous area like they are. I was born in the beautiful town of Springs. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyone from Springs here, just wave. There we go. Crystal, thank you. There's only one place worse, and that's Brackpan. But that's a conversation for another time. Um, but was born in Springs and grew up in, in Johannesburg for 12 years and then moved to the Promised Land. Um, and I had the privilege of meeting some people this morning that have recently moved to Cape Town. And do we not live in the most beautiful city in the world? Okay. Um, slight lack of excitement. Can you guys just like maybe move in your chairs slightly? Get a little bit of energy going tonight. There we go. Very good. Very good. Because we, we want to be excited about what God is doing. It really has been an incredible year. We had, um, we had our volunteer appreciation dinner about, um, three, four weeks ago. Um, and had the, we saw people doing dance moves in this vicinity that you do not see very often in life. It really was a, a, a privilege to be able, sorry, to be able to see. Um, and actually just, was mind-blowing, but uh, it's just such an incredible thing when you get to see what God has done. In uh, uh, 2014, 13, we had the privilege of Mark coming. We said we wanted to to fight for a volunteer culture. At that time, we probably had about 40, 50 volunteers. A year later, we had a volunteer's appreciation dinner for approximately 150, 160 people. The following year, we had a volunteer's dinner for about 230 people. And this year, we have 320 volunteers in our church. That is probably plus minus just under 50% of our church. Why? Because when we decide to pioneer for God, incredible things happen. And actually, we don't uh, fight for serving or any of these things for any other reason that we believe that community is powerful. We believe that when the church lays her life down for the city, we will see incredible things happen. So when we say things like, let's buy a bucket to serve our city, let's welcome people at the door to serve our city, actually we truly believe that when we lay our lives down in that way, we will see radical things happen and God will move in powerful ways. So it really has been an amazing year. We've had some incredible highs and a couple of lows which have been challenging to fight through. But actually, as we land the year, we felt to do the series through the book of Daniel because actually it is, is a series marked by a couple of main themes or, or a book marked by a couple of main themes. One of those themes is actually this very simple but yet incredibly powerful thought that God is in control. One of the major themes of this book is that God is in control. 
no matter where you are in your life, in situations, I think sometimes we process God in the light of, well, He understands my past, He's present now, but almost this reality in our minds that actually God doesn't know what's coming. But I want to say to you that no matter what happens in your life, God is completely aware of it. He knew it was coming. And actually, when we, when we submit to Him and say, God, will you work? He will use all things for the good of those who love Him. That actually, we serve a God who is radically in control. And, and just to bring you up to speed on this book, the book of Daniel, it is a, a story about a specific man who is of the people of, of Judah, the people of God, the Hebrew people. And they are living in, in this promised space. God has given them this incredible privilege of living in a, this incredible land of everything that they have wanted. They are with God. God is with them. And it's just, you know, it's those phases in our lives where actually things seem phenomenal. You know when you're going, I cannot believe how good this is. And I'm getting married in two months and eight days, which is really, really exciting. Um, and I'm really, really excited. It's, it's quite a thing getting married. You have to plan things and find caterers and find venues. But it's almost like this. And, and my life hasn't been necessarily one of those ones that is, is kind of smooth sailing right through. There have been some ups and some downs. And, and God has blessed me with this incredible future wife. And, and um, you know, people have been radically generous. And it's just been one of those seasons where just everything seems amazing. The church, it's been a privilege to be part of what God is doing. And it's almost like this thing where you almost stand at the corner and you're going, when is it going to come? When is the tough thing going to come? When is things um, not going to be going as well as what they are right now? It's almost like we live in this world of, of, of when is the next thing coming? But actually, for these people, it came in the form of a, a tyrant king named Nebuchadnezzar. And he came into the land and he, he took over the land. He pillaged and he stole and he broke and, and he destroyed these people. And actually what he did was he ripped them out of the promised land and into Babylon. And Daniel, and it's the story centers around Daniel and his uh, three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They get ripped out of this promised space this incredible space, and they get put into Babylon. And, and just to give you a little bit of a view of what Babylon was, Babylon was a place that, that did not worship the true God. It was a place that worshipped pagan idols. It worshipped gods of silver and gold and all of these different things. It, it was a place where their primary end was themselves, was finance, was, was getting ahead in life, was money. This, this King Nebuchadnezzar was obsessed with growing this powerful um, kingdom. Actually, it says that the walls of Babylon were so wide that two four-horse chariots could ride along them. It was this place where gold was all over. It was just, they, it was the pursuit of finance, of pleasure, of all of these things. So these young men who passionately love God, who passionately serve God, get ripped out of this incredible space where they get to worship and they're in a good space and get ripped into the worst place they could possibly be. This Babylon, where actually Nebuchadnezzar's primary thing was actually, I want to grow my kingdom, I want to become more powerful, I want to gain more. And so we see these young men enter the space. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I, I picture that place, even though we live in a, a city that is incredibly beautiful, um, on Friday night we went for dinner in town and you walk the streets and you just, you see people's lives outworking themselves and, and you realize that actually we live in a world exactly like Babylon, 
where people's primary concern is, is running after what they think is worthwhile, is pursuing money and power and fame and all of these things, and they spend their lives pursuing it. And we live in a world just like that, just like these young men were. But the challenge is, if you are a believer in Christ, you are an exile in that place. And what that means for us is actually we are not of that space. The the Bible says we are not of the world, but we are in the world. And so the challenge for us is as believers, we live in a world that is broken and hurting and people need a savior and a redeemer. If you, you just have to walk the streets of Cape Town to, to start to understand that. And, and if you are a believer in Christ, then you are an exile in this world. But you are not only an exile who, whose, whose role is to kind of bunker down and, and make sure nothing bad happens to you, but actually the Bible teaches us and we understand that as believers in Christ, we are called to be a city on a hill. We are called to be a light to the world. And so what we are doing in this book of Daniel is we are actually having a look at the story of this exile named Daniel who chose to live a radical life for God in the midst of a place that did not worship God, that had no interest in the things of God, yet he chose to stay faithful and obey his Savior, to obey God. And I I believe that a a key thing that we are looking at is that actually as as believers in Christ, and if you are not a a believer in Jesus here tonight, I want to welcome you and I want to say we pray that you would meet this incredible Savior named Jesus. But actually, we are not neither called to abandon our culture, we are not called to hide away from it and be scared of it, and we are neither called to assimilate into our culture. Almost go, well, actually, I can't fight this, so I just become like it. And that is, unfortunately, the reality of many people's walk, is they go, well, actually, I can't deal with this, so I'm going to run away and hide and and have bribes with my Christian friends and only hang out with my Christian friends and only be friends with a Christian secretary at work and only hang out with these people and only go to church and, and hide away from the world. That is the one option that many people live in. And the other one is, well, actually, this 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 culture that we are in, I, I, I can't fight this, so I'm just going to become like it even though I'm a believer in Christ. But actually the Bible says it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that scripture means that I have the power of God inside of me to live a life that looks different and does not abandon, it does not assimilate, it changes the culture. Why? Because the presence of God lives in me. Why? Because the power of God lives in me. And so what we are doing as a a church is actually looking at how this man, Daniel, was able to do this in a very, very difficult space. And just to bring you up to speed, um, the story goes that Daniel and his friends are brought into Babylon. They, they come under the worship of this King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and basically what he says to them is, is, you will eat the food that we eat. You will learn the language that we speak. You will be, be for all intents and purposes, assimilated into our culture so that you become like us and that you serve us. And then what Daniel does is he says, no, I will not do that. And he, and he goes through this process of honoring God and honoring the space he was in, and it's a challenging thing. And, and so what he chooses to do is not engage that, not eat their food, not do those things, but, but still serves. And, and then it moves on that actually God gives Daniel the supernatural ability to interpret dreams. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel goes into his space, and he interprets this dream. And, and what that leads to is incredible favor for Daniel in a place that actually is not his home, in a place where, in fact, he is a prisoner. 
He is, I can imagine the fear that they were living under, that actually it, it says this incredible thing in the word, that actually the food which they received was the food from Nebuchadnezzar's table. But actually the Bible says that we shall not live on bread alone, we shall live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what this king was doing was he was saying that actually I am your provider, I am your sustenance. I am the one that will give you everything you need in life. And and this young man named Daniel is going, no, my provider is God. No, my provider is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it it totally transforms the way he interacts. And so he he, he, he acquires profile. He interprets this dream and he, he goes before him. And so it kind of goes on. He's given profile. And then it moves on another dream. He is told by Nebuchadnezzar, well, actually what you need to do is you need to worship. After he's given a, a, a position of profile, he says, well, what I need you young men to do is worship this golden idol. And Daniel says, no, we will not worship this golden idol. And so what happens is they get thrown in a fiery furnace. They are, are supposed to die in this fiery furnace. And if you were last, here last week, you would have heard more of the story. They're supposed to die in this fiery furnace. Yet God... Um, redeems them from that place. And yet again, God orchestrates something that they are given profile and authority in this kingdom that is not theirs. Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. Daniel comes before him again. He interprets the dream. And at the end of this, this is the end of chapter four, Nebuchadnezzar's reign ends. The interpretation of the dream that Daniel gives him is actually that your reign is going to end. It comes to an end. God brings his reign to an end. And then we enter chapter five where there is a new king. Um, and, and we, if we can, we're going to read together. The text will be behind me. Um, we're going to read chapter five of the book of Daniel. And it is a, a chunky portion of scripture, but I'd love it if we could stand together as we read. We truly believe that the word of God is powerful. We believe that it transforms lives. Um, the scripture will be behind me. Let's read together. King Belshazzar, this is the new king that has taken over from Nebuchadnezzar, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately... And this is where it starts to get a bit crazy. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. Now I just want to give you a bit of context. This was not a normal thing. There weren't often random hands writing on the wall. This is like, this is a moment. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. When the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him, his limbs gave way, his knees knocked together. If you guys have ever seen Michael Hildenskog do announcements, but this is kind of what happened here in this moment. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be declared, the, be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler of the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Balthazar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. 
Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the day of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers. Because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you that the spirit of God, the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Father, I thank you that as we read your word tonight, I pray that it would work powerfully in our hearts, God. I thank you that as we dig into this narrative of Daniel, God, and into the story, Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts. I pray that your word would transform us. And I pray, God, that we would not leave this place changed. Or we would leave this place changed, God. We trust you for that, King of Kings. Amen. Let's take our seats. And so tonight, as we dig into the scripture, I have Three really simple points that I'd love to bring across, and, and I pray as we, as we engage with these points that actually there would be a sense of, of understanding that actually there is a, a way for us to engage our culture and see our culture transform. And, and these three points are kind of extracted from, the, from this book, and I really believe that it, it will be incredibly helpful for us to engage and actually take these things and go, okay, how can I implement these into my life? The first point is this. Daniel was faithful in the ordinary. Daniel was faithful in the ordinary. The second king had come many, many years after Nebuchadnezzar, and Daniel was, had, had developed such a track record of faithfulness that in a moment where the king needed him, and you might say, well, how do we know he had been faithful? Well, actually, in a moment that the king needed a, a, he needed a person of repute, a person who, who had the ability to engage with this problem that had arisen, the queen remembered Daniel. The queen remembered this man who, who was faithful, who had served Nebuchadnezzar, even though it was not his home. He had given time, he had worked well. And actually, the reality is that as believers in Jesus, we live before a watching world. We live before a world that is watching us. Daniel had directly served Nebuchadnezzar. Never had he served this queen, yet for the many, many years that he was in their courts, he was serving this kingdom, she watched him. And when this moment arose that the king needed somebody, she called on Daniel. And I want to say to you this evening that actually as believers in Christ, we are called to be faithful in the ordinary moments. We are called to be faithful in our daily lives. And for some of you, you might be going, well, well, that's cool how it relates to him. He was in a kingdom many years ago, served God. But actually, I want to ask you, in your workplace, are you faithfully serving in the ordinary moments? 
Are you being a person, a, a, a Christ follower, that when people look at you, they see Jesus? And now that is not a call to be perfect or act perfectly, but I do believe it is a call to understand that the Bible calls us ambassadors of Christ. The Bible calls us these people who represent Jesus. And actually, when we are at our workplace, when we are working, not when we are talking about God or or praying for people or preaching to people, but actually when we are doing our daily work, there is a power in faithfulness. For most of the story, we do not see Daniel doing miracles. For most of the story, actually, we just see a man who lived faithfully in this very difficult, very challenging context. And I want to ask you this is... Are you the person that your boss will immediately go to in the midst of a problem? Are you the person that people go, oh wow, we are in this situation, he's the guy to go to. She is the lady to engage with around this. Because actually that is often a mark of what it looks like when we are faithful in our ordinary day-to-day lives. The the story says, it goes on in chapter 6, and it says in the text that we read, that Daniel had an excellent spirit. That is quite a thing to say about a person. He had an excellent spirit. And I don't think that that was was caught on uh, when he was doing these miracles of, of interpreting dreams. Actually, I think that that would have been found when he was just doing his daily job, when he was working in the courts, when he was doing the things that he had been asked to do. Actually, they observed him and they saw an excellent spirit. And I believe that often an excellent spirit can be the most powerful thing to bring people to know Christ. Why? Because actually the Bible calls us to live with that excellent spirit in our context. Are you constantly praying for a change in your context? Or are you pushing into God and believing that He will use you in your context? Are you constantly praying for a change? My my boss is difficult. My, My work situation is difficult. My family situation is difficult. I don't really know how to deal with this stuff. Or are you going, okay God, you have put me in Babylon. I am an exile in Babylon. Which means I do not carry the spirit of that place. I carry the spirit of a different place. But you have put me here for a purpose and I am going to trust you. I am going to be faithful, God. I am going to engage with an excellent spirit. I am going to, to, to ask you, God, to empower me with wisdom and, and strength so that I can do this thing well. Can we as a church become known as a group of people that are faithful with the ordinary? Faithful with our day-to-day lives, because I believe that that can be the most powerful thing. He was faithful in the ordinary, and in the midst of his faithfulness to this kingdom, Daniel would serve without compromise. And one of the incredible things is that he served faithfully, but he would not compromise on on God's ways. He served faithfully, but he would not compromise on God's ways. He had no guarantee of food. He had no guarantee of a home. He had no guarantee of anything in this context. Yet, he saw God. And I want to say to you that when we see God as our provider, when we see God as the one who provides us with our, our, the things we need on a monthly, weekly, yearly basis, and we don't see our boss as that person, actually when we understand that God is the one who gives us everything, it transforms the way we engage our culture. Because all of a sudden, your boss doesn't become the savior of your family. God is the savior of your family. And actually, you you change the way you engage. You go, actually, I will serve, but I will not compromise. Why? Because God's ways are far better than the world's ways. The Bible says that the boundary lines of the Lord fall in pleasant places. 
Actually, when we engage and we go, God, I will faithfully not compromise in what you have called me to, we will live lives of power. We think that in order to serve our context faithfully, we need to compromise. But Daniel and these friends show us that, in fact, it is possible and powerful to live a life of faithful service, but never compromise on what God has called us to. Never compromise on the little things. What you eat, it just seems like this really simple thing. He'd be given food, he'd eat it. But actually, in the little things, God calls us to be faithful. In the daily activities, in the the paying of staff, in the, the little moments where God calls us to be faithful. And actually, God will use us in powerful ways. Firstly, Daniel was faithful in the ordinary. Secondly, he was faithful for the extraordinary. He was faithful in the ordinary, but he was faithful for the extraordinary. This story follows on that he comes before this king and he interprets the writing on the wall. And he says to this king, actually, this means that your reign is going to end. That night, this king, the king who is in power dies. But before that, Daniel is given profile in the kingdom and he helps rule the kingdom. But actually, in this moment, you can imagine that for years, Daniel had not been asked to do very much. Nebuchadnezzar's reign had ended. Daniel was an older man. And actually, he probably hadn't been asked to interpret dreams in a very long time. But he walks into a context and he has eyes to see that God wants to use him for something. And I believe that often in in the faithfulness in the ordinary, God will open up opportunities for the extraordinary. But the challenge is that do we have the eyes to see God using us in the extraordinary moments? Do we have the eyes to see it? And number two, do we have faith to believe that God will use us in that moment? I honestly believe that God will empower us when we step out in faith. I think so often we we want the the healing power or the, the gift of wisdom or we want these things. We say, God, give them to me and then I will go step out in faith. But I believe that God works quite differently. I believe that actually he works when we, we step out and God gives us what we need in that moment. Daniel was faithful for the extraordinary moments. When um, about eight or nine months ago, myself and my fiance, Kate, we, we, we went up to Joburg and we, we, I was at a wedding. It was actually late last year. I was at a wedding of a friend and we stayed with my dad. And my dad is a, a single man. He has a, a house in Joburg. He has three bedrooms. And, and we walked in. He walked us into his bedroom. And it's a, a simple story to illustrate. He walks into the house and says, cool, guys, I've prepared that room for you. And it was kind of an awkward moment. And I just had to, to grab my dad. And I just said to him, Dad, actually, myself and Kate are not going to sleep in the same room. And I could see this very perplexed look on my dad's face, because for him that is normal. For him that is his normal, and that is okay. But actually, God has called me to live a certain way. God has called me to honor him in my relationship with her. And so what I did was I said, Dad, actually we're not going to sleep together um, in this room together. We're not, we're not engaging in that way. And so he was very confused. And, and so after that, uh, we were at the wedding, we went home, and then I was actually there a little while ago, and, and we, were, we went for the call conference. I was sitting with my dad, and, and he just said to me, Tyler, explain to me that thing with you and Kate not sleeping in the same room. And I could see the confusion in his face, but God opened up an extraordinary moment where I got to talk to my dad about Jesus. And I actually got to tell him, well, actually, I serve God, and and I believe that in serving God, I need to honor him in this thing. 
And I could see for my dad, it's a real stretch. He's not a religious man at any level. But actually, I could see that God had taken me being faithful in the ordinary, and he had opened up an extraordinary moment. And I was hanging out with my dad a little while later, and I see next to his bed the old faith like potatoes. And I'm going, okay, maybe something's happening here. You know, it's like, it's actually when we go, God, I will be faithful, but I will also be faithful that you will use me in moments. I believe we will see extraordinary things start to happen. I just want to throw a, a disclaimer in here. It's actually, I think sometimes we live in this world where we go, okay, God, I need to materialize these extraordinary moments. And we, we go into our, 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 our workspace and we are preaching to everybody and we are praying for everybody and we are, we are in board meetings and guys are busy discussing how we're going to sell a product that week. And we're going, but I want to tell you guys about Jesus. And we engage in that way and we want to pray for everybody. But actually, God opens up the extraordinary moments. Serve faithfully. Do your job well. Don't, I, and I have no issue with telling people about Jesus at work. But actually, when we become known as that strange guy who always talks about Jesus and doesn't do his job very well, it becomes a challenge to, with integrity, tell people about God. But actually, we see in a man like Daniel, faithful with the ordinary, did not compromise, and God opened up extraordinary moments. And I want to say to you that if you trust God, if you have eyes to see them and faith to engage them, He will open up extraordinary moments for you. It might be for a, a parent you are trusting for salvation. It might be a work colleague that you really want to see come to know God. It might be a million different things. But we have to understand that if God is sovereign, He will open up the opportunity. We just have to have eyes to see it. Number one, he was faithful in the ordinary. He was faithful for the extraordinary. And lastly, he was filled with authority. He was filled with authority. In every moment where Daniel interpreted a dream or interpreted the writing on the wall in the first five chapters of this book, he basically tells the most powerful man in the world that your reign is coming to an end. Now, I don't know about you, but in that situation, I would just be like, no, it's going to, going to go really well. You are going to get everything you need in life, and you are, you're amazing. Thanks, King. I don't know, but that would be my default. Because of fear, because of stress, because of all these things. I'm in a foreign land. I, I have all these things going around me. But actually, Daniel was faithful. Daniel was faithful. He had a revelation of God. And so what? He stood in authority. And I believe that that authority was, not was I believe, a gift from God. But it was also because he had chosen to not compromise and stay the course that God had called him to. Daniel's faithfulness in the ordinary led to increased authority in the extraordinary moments. Authority comes when we live a life of faithfulness. Faithfulness is often the, the thing that nobody really talks about. Um, John Piper tells the story of how young men would come to him and say to him, uh, Pastor, I want to do something great for God. And he said, okay, cool, great, amazing. And he said, I just wish one young man would come to him and say, I want to serve Jesus faithfully. And he said, that young man will do great things for God. And I believe that God is calling us as believers in Christ to serve God faithfully, and we will see our lives increase in authority. So many people live their lives chasing authority, chasing the dream, chasing the big promotion, chasing the money, chasing this. But I want to say to you, we live in a world, I've seen it in my very, very short 23 years, I've seen it many times, that thing disappears like this. But when God gives us authority, 
we will see our city transformed. When God gives us authority, we will see. When God gives us position, we will see our city transformed. Don't chase after those things outside of God. Trust God. He will open up the extraordinary moments and He will fill us with the authority that we need to engage people and to see the city change. Not only seeing salvations, not only these things, but I hear story after story of men in boardrooms engaging and transforming in areas of social justice, in, in medicine, in all of these things of, of, of leaders who are engaging people in a way that is seeing change. Why? Because I believe that God has given them authority because of their faithfulness and because they were faithful to see God do these things. And to end off this evening, I'd love to, to read a scripture. It's from the message version, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. It goes like this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its levels of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I believe that when we choose to engage God, when we say, God, you have put me as an exile in the midst of Babylon, I will remain faithful to, to my context, I will not compromise, and I will be faithful to see you open up extraordinary moments. I believe that is when the city on the hill starts to transform the city it's in. Because Cape Town, and I know this might sound ridiculous, but Cape Town needs you. Cape Town needs believers who are filled with faith for God to move. I want to say to you that so many Christians look at pastors and go, oh, well, they are the ones that will preach the gospel. But I want to say to you that being in pastoral ministry is often the most limiting job you can have to see transformation in people's lives. Actually, the Bible says that each and every one of us are ministers. Each and every one of us are called to affect change. And just as that scripture said, Engage God, trust Him, and He will do radical things. Can I pray for us? Father God, I thank You for each and every person in this room. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that as we, as we, we step into this book of Daniel, God, as we, as we walk through these scriptures, Father, I pray that they would change us from the inside out, God. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that tonight You are calling people to step out and be faithful in the ordinary moments of their lives, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in this space tonight, you would change attitudes, God. Where people have attitudes of, I hate my work, I can't deal with my boss. God, I pray that you would start to transform attitudes so that we could engage our culture and see transformation come. I pray, God, tonight, that as each and every person sits here, that as the Spirit of God dwells in them, I pray, Spirit of God, would you give them strength and would you give them the power to walk out a life of faith-filled obedience to you, King Jesus. We worship you. We declare that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, God. 
And we ask that you would come and transform us, Jesus. In your incredible name, God. Amen.